Welcome back to Everything Podcast. Today's episode, I'm with Gabe Yanez and MDV. I always love talking to these two guys. I love podcasts, long form, diving into things that are important to us. We sit down and it starts off talking about jiu-jitsu space, some of the things we're seeing recently, navigates into training kids. And then, of course, we talk about everybody's favorite subject, building a bigger chest and our take on it. I thought the guys, they always come with a bunch of knowledge, a bunch of information I think was really awesome to share today. So make sure to stay tuned for that. When we finish it off with the Yeti question of the day. And this Yeti of the question of the day was about can CrossFit become like the NHL, the MLB, or the NFL? Can it get big like that? And you get to hear our take on if it can or if it can't. I hope you and your family are doing incredibly well. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. If you are, simple, simple ask. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Make sure to follow nc.fit and at Jason Klepa to go ahead and apply for the next Yeti question of the week. So check that out. Leave us a rating review. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's go. It's going to look the way that it's going to look. It's fine. The angles will be okay. So, yeah, I saw that Tom DeBoss. Um, I was talking about the Tom DeBoss uh, Facebook or Instagram Live with Henner. Did you watch that? I didn't watch it yet, no. Okay. So Did you watch it? I, I watched it. Yeah, so you know how we were talking about that. that I, I, watched, I watched enough of it. Yeah, and they were just basically talking about, but I thought just from a, if people haven't seen this, I do think it's interesting because they talk a lot about how the waiver and the insurance were two things that maybe could have just totally changed the whole game of what happened. And mm. like, because Henner defended his position on the fact that he didn't know everything that was going on and he just gave his expert testimony, X, Y, Z. But when they, when the so judge... a little, a little background. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always got to give background for yeah, what we're yeah, talking yeah. Context, about. Context, context. Just super quick bullet points because we talked about this on a previous episode. But we're recording now? We are. Oh, wow. You guys just know. no, the, no when grease, the, just like right in. When nothing. the when, when the red button goes, when the red button goes, that's I, it. I, I, so I've, I've been gone for a few months, and you guys just fucking <laughs> sit down, and that's it. Okay, this cool. This is it. I know that when I like turn the camera on on Zoom, we're gonna. It's like, it right jump away. Right in. Okay, no introduction. <laughs> but the background, really quick, is and l- let me know if I'm wrong. Since yeah, I'm yeah. kind of outside of this world, I've just been following based on what you told me. There was a black belt instructor Mm -hmm. so someone with a lot of experience and obviously very you know skilled Mm -hmm. in bjj was rolling with a relatively new student was he a white belt i'm assuming yeah um but he had some skills he had done a couple of like lower level competitions was a a wrestler wrestler. apparently this is all the stuff that i've heard as well right so i think that's important fact about his wrestling and how it didn't necessarily correlate to jiu-jitsu anyways keep keep going going. because i thought that was an interesting point Okay, yeah, and then there's a video, like, security camera footage of this Mm -hmm. incident, um, and he does a move on him, and the whole argument was that he shouldn't have done that to a beginner student because the beginner student ended up being paralyzed. Yeah. Not fully paralyzed, not permanently paralyzed, but paralyzed, right? So the the move that was performed, the black belt was, the the lower-level belt was, like, on his knees with his back towards the ceiling, right? And the, yep. the black belt was on top of him in like a back-mounted type of position. Yep. The guy was in turtle, he was in back mount, yes. right? Yeah. And then the upper belt, the, the instructor, went to perform a maneuver to get to the, the lower-level belt's back by rolling over his head and taking that person with him. So mm-hmm. taking both bodies and rolling over the the back of your head and the, the upper back to get a, a back position where you could perform a 
rear naked choke or some sort of submission that's easier to perform from breaking down the turtle, right? Yep. And what happened was that when he went to perform that rollover, the the lower level student, instead of going with the roll, right, ended up turning his head turning the wrong way, the wrong way and the momentum of both bodies caused the injury that you see on the video. Yeah, and so where the video went with, so obviously the whole thing is just like absolutely terrible. We wish it Super never sad. Ha- at yeah. all. But there were some learning lessons, I think, from, from the jiu-jitsu, and, and I imagine it transfers over into the CrossFit and whatnot space. Essentially, one of the big takeaways I had, or there was a few big takeaways, but I'll start with how when they looked at his athletic base, they were looking at it in terms of how his athletic base was related to the specific movement for that day with that athlete, very particular. So meaning you might have a bunch of uh, wrestling experience and there's even a video of this gentleman doing a double leg and just taking someone down or, or whatnot because it, it relates really well to wrestling. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, given his skill level, he had not been shown yeah. how to safely get out of that position. And that was a big piece, I guess, in this in this case was that the instructor performed a movement on him that the individual had not been taught how to how to how to how to go with it or how to counter it or just what it would feel like to move through that motion because this yeah. was during a uh, a live a roll. live role right yeah. where the instructor might not have been, definitely probably was not going as hard or as aggressive as he could but performed a movement that was far more advanced than this person might have known at the time, right? Yes, yeah, so I thought that was interesting because even though he was a, he had a wrestling background, it'd be like someone coming in here that has a big background and a bunch of other stuff, but when you start teaching them the snatch, it's a new movement. So we have to treat that individual based on you know all the things I'm reading. like It's brand new to them. So the fact of the matter is, regardless of how much previous experience comes, in that particular case, in that particular move, he was brand new. But what I thought was interesting is the waiver. So essentially what Henner was saying is that the waiver that was signed was like egregious, like, like undeniably shitty was basically the, the, the answer. And so the, the judge ruled it inadmissible in court. And so essentially they walked into the court for the, for that whole hearing, everything, assuming there was literally nothing written down that he assumed any, any, um, risk of liability and what you mean by shitty is like probably google the template that didn't even apply specific to the sport or whatever like, i don't even know is if that, that, that kind of what you're saying like honestly the way they described it and i haven't seen the waiver was like it wasn't like it was you know no dotting eyes or crossing t's it wasn't that kind of stuff it was just like literally like i mean um the boss he he brought up this i don't know if this is true it was like a, a design a waiver designed for a child instead of for an adult mm. or something so much so like Basically, it could have been avoided if they had just had a professional review the agreement was was what Henner was saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but kind of the um, the lore about waivers in at least the legal community yeah. is the fact that like, yeah, you can sign whatever the fuck you want to sign when you're walking into the building. A, a really good lawyer on the opposite side is probably going to be able to find ways to get around the fact that you've you've signed this thing that you say oh all of my all of my liabilities are gone and and no matter if anything happens the the place can't be sued like you know, there's probably some stuff through the normal course of the interactions or like what you're signing up for for the service and like oh you got hurt doing something that was very very normal within the course of this uh, agreement that you have right but in the case of like this 
situation, the lawyer on the, the plaintiff side is probably arguing that this person never signed up to do this type of thing with this level of person in this type of environment with that yeah. type of movement. And like automatically then that's gone. It just you know, seemed like a perfect it, storm based on when I was <clears throat> watching the, the IG live. It just seemed like a perfect storm. It just seemed like no waiver was able to be used. The insurance company, when they were first reached out to, there was a $1 million policy. They didn't want to work with the gentleman who got injured and they even tried to settle ahead of time, and he wouldn't do it. So it ended up going all the way to a jury court. And now, if I'm not mistaken, it's not even the school and the individual that's being that has to pay. I could be mistaken on this, but this is what it's I heard. It's the insurance. Right? It's the insurance that's, that's having to pay. So it just seemed like a big, just just a really shitty circumstances. But one of the things that Henner was saying um, about the waiver, which I mean, you have a law background, but we're not trying to give legal advice, was that he said <laughs> that in California, in your state. Because of the waiver, you have to prove like um, extreme negligence or something along um, like a, it was a more extreme case than if there isn't a waiver. You don't have to prove uh, extreme negligence. There's a different term for it. Mm. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, generally, that, the joke <laughs> is. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be a lawyer. I, I love Kalipa Esquire. Baby. When, whenever Jason starts off with, you know, I'm not a doctor. Or yeah. I'm not a lawyer or anything. Speaking of which, I want to talk about how to get a bigger chest. That's something on my mind. We can talk about it. Good, smooth transition. Um, so, one of, the, like, one of the jokes in law school when you go there, the, the, one of the first days that they tell you is like, it doesn't matter. Essentially, they say that. Like, it doesn't matter any of the circumstances. Anybody can be sued at, for anything yeah. at <clears throat> any time, and you're going to go and you're going to adjudicate it in a court of law, no matter if it's, like, completely crazy. Like, yeah. if it's completely crazy, they're going to take you to the to court of law and then throw it out there. But, like, you can still be sued yep. for something completely crazy. I'm not saying that this circumstance was completely crazy. I don't know all the facts, all the circumstances. But what I do know is that, like, the waiver is not stopping anybody if that type of injury happens from bringing that into court and being like this situation needs to be figured out yeah i, I just thought though if if for anybody who wants more information on this particular situation right like you're in the crosses space you're in jujitsu space you're a little worried about it you should go watch the ig live between tom DeBoss and and henner because it was a good example of two guys having a conversation mm. they didn't necessarily like they didn't attack each other they didn't Whatever they just had a conversation about it, and they may have disagreed on some areas, but they were actually more in agreement on more areas than they were disagreement, right? Yeah, and it's a super easy case on either side to jump to conclusions, right? Because if you're like, if you're super pro jujitsu and you're super pro like the instructor and the community, and like you probably would look at this situation on the surface and be like, wow, Henna really f fucked everybody over by going on there and being an expert testimony. And then if you're on the other side, if you're more of a lay person and you watch this and you, and, and, or you hear about it, you're like, yeah, like how that's crazy that this happened. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. on the other side of the equation, there's probably a lot of people like, of course this person should be liable for what happened. So, you know, I, again, I don't know all the, the facts and all the circumstances. I'm glad that they had a, a, a conversation. That's really cool that, that they did that. Yeah. I think it need, I think the jiu-jitsu space needed it because there was a lot of like, dude, it just goes to show infight. Man. A lot of yeah. infighting was starting. Infight, misinformation. And like Henry even said, he's like, bro, he's like, guys, are you guys forgetting that I own jujitsu schools as well? Like, I'm not trying to like, you know, break down jujitsu or have people, you know, instantly get sued. Like mm. he's like, I was just trying to do what I thought was right for this individual. And it was, it was kind of like in silos when he explained it, like he just gave his testimony. He didn't know everything was going on or how expensive it was yeah. or all that kind of stuff. So 
Anyways, that that's the backstory on the jiu-jitsu space. But how about the chest pump? So I had... <laughs> I, well, wait, 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 going from the jiu-jitsu space to chest pumps. <laughs> yeah, dude. I got I to gotta ask you the question about the... Um, about the, the the wrestlers though, because Tom DeBlas, Tom DeBlas. So, so first of all, for anybody who's listening, Tom, oh, Tom DeBlas yeah, is about a. That. Um, That's how we even got on well, this subject. Yeah, we'll Tom, come back to the chest. Tom Tom DeBlas is <laughs> a, um, a world class level uh, jujitsu practitioner. He's a, a business owner. He owns Tom DeBlas Jujitsu. Uh, he's becoming a, a really big influencer in the jujitsu space, and he's personally kind of taken on this mission to. Uh, go out there and try to eradicate bullying. Mm-hmm. Eradicate bullying through like bringing it to the surface and showing people that this is happening so much. And a lot of the videos that he posts are fucking horrible to watch. They're like Terrible. insanely horrible to watch. They invoke a real emotion. For sure. But then he also is connecting these um, these pe- pe- these people who are at risk for, for being bullied. He's connecting them with jujitsu schools around the country and around the world to get those those kids and individuals training and to build more self-confidence, to, to, to have community, to create connections, awareness, to give them skills to, to defend themselves if situations like this happen. Um, and you know, I'd recommend you guys follow Tom DeBlas if you're not, but he posted a video yesterday of, um, Dude, it's, it. it's wild, it's wild. So it's, it's obviously some sort of sanctioned um, wrestling freestyle, uh, not freestyle, like uh, some sort of wrestling competition, whether mm-hmm. it's high school or like middle school wrestling competition. But the, the two boys who are wrestling, two guys who are wrestling, are of stature of like n- nearly getting to the point where they're like kind of bigger individuals. Yeah, they're they, they they're definitely like younger. Eighth, they could be like an eighth grade. Yeah, so, or yeah. Not, not, whatever, eighth grade, yeah. ninth grade. But, yeah. you know, old enough to know and then old enough to do some damage with their bodies. But what happens is, um, you know, the, the match happens, and then the the kid who loses, and I, I didn't watch the full match. I just I've seen the video, but the the full match apparently there's nothing bad that happens. It's a normal wrestling match. But the kid who loses cold clocks the kid who won as he was trying to shake as his he's hand. trying to shake his hand, yeah, and it's so bad, dude. It's not. I don't think it's funny at all. So no. it's it's a fucking really crazy situation. Because what I want to ask you is if if that was if that was Caden in that situation, right? And let's say, let's just call these kids, let's put them right on the borderline. Let's call them 14 or 15 years old, right? Where it's like, yeah, you're not an adult, but like, you're still old enough to know. What what would you do in that situation where you see like, you know, your son goes out there, he competes, he's trying to shake the kid's hand and the, the other kid just literally just, n- almost knocks the kid out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. With a, well, with first a cold off, I think punch. you're old enough to know, like, you're old enough to know at a really young age. So, Caden right now, when he was playing football, he's pretty aggressive. And we're playing flag football. I'm like, So I had to talk to him about the only thing I care about, I don't care about your performance. I care about your sportsmanship because he's eight. He just turned nine. And I want to teach him these life skills now that sportsmanship matters because he, um, he, t- he, he got a lot of flag. He pulled a lot of flags. Right, He's pretty good on defense. And he finished this one thing, and he did like one of those – not a dab, but like, what do you call that? Where he, you, he did like a little Fortnite dance or no, something like, afterwards. I don't know, like whatever, <laughs> like a little, like a little, like shimmy dance. And I'm like, <laughs> I walk up to him on the field in front of everybody. I don't make it a big scene. I just walk up to him, I just whisper in his ear, bro. If you ever do that again, if you do that again, I'm taking you off the field. You're not playing again. I'm just letting you know. And I just walked away. I just that's it. Because we need to teach him at this age that it's uncalled for. Just perform well. Act cool. Like, you don't need to go out there and go do this fucking dabbing, whatever they were doing. They call it like the... Yeah, I, I know what you're Some kind about. of dance, right? 
But so I think sportsmanship should have been taught long before. So if this guy to punch another player, they're probably uh, the um, competitor. I mean, who knows the backstory, right? Who knows? But, yeah. But at the end of the day, um, if it was me and my son got punched, um, you know, I would I would immediately run out and just make sure that the fight stopped, right? Like I'm not going to go hit the other kid, but I would just want to like make sure that my son's not in physical danger. And then I would probably have to talk to Caden afterwards, um, and I, I would I would also use it as a teaching moment, right? Like, hey man, that was extremely terrible um, com- uh, sportsmanship, right? He was a sore loser. And I just would have tried to make it a learning experience and make sure that he didn't get physically hurt. Would I mean, you, that's that's the way I would approach. Would you try to talk to the kid or the dad at all, or would you solely go out there and be like, you know, obviously making sure Caden's okay and protecting, yeah. or would, would like, yeah. is there any other words that need to happen there with anybody else? I mean, I would probably make sure that the the, the kid, like, if the dad didn't have a reaction to it, I'd be very upset, right? Like, so like, if my son ever did that, I would be offended. I would be just demoralized. I would be broken. And I would go first address my son. Then I would go address the other boy and him with my son. I'd make him go apologize. I would make him talk it through. And then we'd have a whole like landscape after that. Yeah. That'd be a long runway. Long runway. But (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) but the, but the thing about it is, is like if the dad didn't even have any like remorse or any action, or if the kid didn't either, there's something wrong in that whole picture. And, um, I would want to talk to him. You know what? It's weird because like, I, I, that stuff never crossed my mind never. In, in any sort of like athletic arena ever, like to, to take it to a physical place, like through high school wrestling or competitive baseball or jujitsu or whatever. Like, yeah, you get maybe frustrated or like whatever, but like what, the whole idea that you would cold clock somebody or just punch somebody in the face when they're not expecting it, it seems so it seems crazy to me. Like, it seems like part of an issue where it's like people are living their life a little bit without understanding the consequences of their decisions. Right. Like to, to do that to somebody, if that kid is 15 or 16 years old, he maybe even 14, he's going to be charged with assault. Like that's a crime. That's not, that's not, that's not bad sportsmanship. That's a fucking crime. Yeah. And like, imagine doing that. Imagine doing that to somebody on the street. Where you're walking down the street and you don't like the way somebody looks at you and you punch them in the face, you're going to jail. So the situation on the mat, why is why is it any different? So first of all, I think like, yeah, I, I mean, if I was the the, I might be pressing charges. Like, I mean that that sounds like a, I don't want to say like a crazy thing to say, but like, you have there has to be consequences for your decision. It feels like like people might be living in this like keyboard world where it's like you can do and say whatever you want. I'm being yeah. serious yeah. and not have any consequences for your action. You could you could kill that person by punching him in the face without knowing that it's coming. Yeah. Like that has happened in videos on on the street with this like nonsense that was going on a few years ago where remember they were doing that like running up to people from behind and just hitting them in the face and running away. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Dude. I think the uh, the unfortunate piece about all this <clears throat> is that <clears throat> out of context, not even out of context, but you can use or certain people can use that video to like, you know, use that as an example of this whole like toxic masculinity thing, right? Like you can see people weaponizing this as like this is why men, boys shouldn't be super competitive. They shouldn't be trying to be the best because that person was so competitive, so aggressive to the point that that's what it leads yeah. to. 
But that it's that's bullshit. Not it. It's yeah, bullshit. That's not it. no, yeah, it's the complete opposite. But you can see how that yeah. is that that is what some people point to as the example of why men boys shouldn't be competitive. You shouldn't be getting into sports that are you know combat sports because it leads to this. But it couldn't be further from the truth, right? Like what a lot of combat sports teach yep. is the fact that you should have these skills, but also have the control to use them in the way that they're meant to be used mm. and have the discipline to, no matter how disappointed and how upset you are that this was like the championship championship that you've been waiting for so long and you ended up losing, even if you ended up losing on like, you know, a judge's call or something you think is completely unfair, the way these sports should be taught, the way like a coach and a dad should be teaching this to their son is it doesn't matter. You go afterwards, you shake their hands and then you go back to work yep. and fix what's broken. And I think that that's the really unfortunate piece about stuff like this because, you know, people take any sort of incident video and will throw a caption on it that kind of like, you know, proves their side. And that is so like I couldn't disagree with that side of stuff more. Yeah. But I can see how people like, well, this is why you shouldn't have your son no, do wrestling. No. This is why you haven't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously that what happened where the, the kid punched him in the face like that's. That kid is—he's got some shit going on, man. He's for sure. They're, they're, yeah, to, get, to get that frustrated and to do that, like I'll give you—like I finished my jiu-jitsu match in Vegas, and I was visibly upset. I was—I was very upset because I had put a lot of hard work into it, and the the judge's decision didn't go your favor. Didn't go my favor. No, I was very upset because I'm a competitor and I wanted to win. And the other guy could see that I was visibly upset, but he just like—I mean, we still like. It, I wasn't upset at him. I wasn't like I wanted to punch him in the face. I was upset at the situation because I'm a competitor and I wanted to win. But it wasn't like I was angry at this individual. Yeah. And I think that's the big difference. It's like these guys got to – you should – I think competition teaches you to channel things, especially on the mat. Like when you're learning to wrestle or jiu-jitsu or whatnot, like you're going to win, you're going to lose. And you got to go through those experiences to learn how to handle this adversity. And obviously in that particular case, who knows what was going through that kid's mind. But to even think that that's okay, it just – it's really unfortunate, but someone who doesn't have a lot of reps under them, especially in a combat sport, I think combat sport teaches you a lot. I was watching this video from this guy, Chu Jitsu. You ever heard of that guy? Who? Chu Jitsu, I think it is. Chu Chu Jitsu? No, no, there's so many people out there, but I think I think it was Chu Jitsu. But he was talking about how one of the benefits, because he was talking about Jiu Jitsu and street fighting, and one of the benefits he was talking about was the fact that you get more comfortable like being interacting with people. Like he was saying that a lot of people on the street, when they get in a physical altercation, they freeze up or they, they go crazy because they're not used to that type of like confrontation. They're not used to that type of like touch and connection. And that's one of the benefits he was explaining about getting in your roles in the beginning, your heart rate might spike. You might go crazy in any combat sport, right? Boxing or whatever. But then all of a sudden you learn how to control it more. And that he said was carrying over, to street, unrelated to the the wrestling thing, but I thought that was an interesting point I had a thought about. Mm. You know, one of the people who I think about when we have a conversation like this and we see, you know, an incident like that, there's a guy on, on Instagram, I think his name is uh, J J James James Wilson. Um, he's, an, he's an older uh, black gentleman who, you know, brings in, you know, at-risk youth, um, and not older, this guy's a, he's a, He's a specimen. He's he's a world class martial artist, and but he 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 brings a lot of these kids into um, martial arts and teaches them how to channel all of these things that they're feeling, all yeah, of yeah. these like emotions, emotions, and, yeah. all this anger that they have, and like yeah. how to deal with it. And there's a lot of really compelling videos. He's gone viral a bunch of times, and he's a really smart guy. I like his message a whole lot, um, but. 
you see these kids who don't know how to handle their frustration when they initially get into the program. They like, they break down, they scream, they cry, like, and it's just how much emotion and how much anger they have and how much training he has to, he does with them to get them to the point where they can control this stuff is, um, it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring. You're going to see it with Shay. I bet you, man, like Caden's like a German shepherd. Like you, you got, <laughs> if you don't run him, he's going to act out. That's just mm. the way it is. You got to run him. I mean, literally I tell Ashley, like, we got to go run him. Like if he's being like weird and like anxious and like aggressive, I'm like, bro, we're going to go run you. And I'll, I'll just take him. We'll go work out. We'll put him in the plunge. We'll go do something. And all of a sudden his mood just totally changes. And I, I could relate to that. Right. I could relate to the idea that, you know, if you're not out there, like, um, Andy Stump talked about this a long time ago where CrossFit really saved his life in a time where he was going through some stuff, but he was so exhausted from the mental, you know, uh, the mental push he put into CrossFit that helped him sleep better, helped him get through a lot of stuff. And I mean, so that's a lot of what we do in the gym, but also obviously in combat sports, it's the exact same thing, mm. of course. Yeah, I mean, we're meant to move. Yeah, it, yeah. it comes out to that. It's, it's that basic. Like, it's like, like you're built to move, like Kelly and Juliet said. <laughs> that's right. Um, some of us, you know, maybe in, enjoy it more than others, obviously, but we all have the need to expend energy over here. Otherwise, it turns into something negative over here, for mm. sure. So speaking of moving, can I talk about my bench press now? Yes. So I had a question come in. <laughs> I had a question come in about building your chest. Now, here's, here's the way I want to start this question. Do you think that the chest, in particular for a guy, right, in, in particular, is a genetic thing? Or do you think that genetics, uh, genetics obviously play a role. But how much do you think genetics play a role into having like a, a sculpted chest physique versus training I'm, I'm i'm wondering can someone train 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 but they just don't have the genetics that ever build up a built up chest or does it not really matter that much as long as you build it you stay consistent you could probably have that look that chest look that people love i mean there's levels to it right like you can train as much as you want and you're never going to look like arnold in his prime right like that's just that well, he, that's, that's he, genetics plus science. Well, I mean, but, but even, even a lot even, of science. So even even if you're taking <laughs> science in those even veins. if you're taking PDs, you can go, dude. You can go to any bodybuilding gym, and seventy percent of the like like real hardcore bodybuilding gym. Yeah, there's this video. Um, this guy who has a YouTube who just goes around yeah, asking not people, the cleaner, are you natty or not? Are you natty the cleaner, or not? not the cleaner guy? No, 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 no. no. no it's pretty funny too. No, but he just goes around asking people like, you natty or not, and like. Most people that he talks to, at least, I'm not saying this is like a percentage of the gym, aren't. And they don't look like Arnold. Like, I, I think that that stuff definitely helps. But yeah. genetics is huge. When it comes to bodybuilding, like, it is very, very, very significant. Because you can train really hard for a really long time. And if I'm, I'm assuming, I'm, I, I just have a picture in my head of what you mean by this, like, chiseled chest physique that everyone likes yeah and the thing is at the end of the day shaven like chest for example, looking jacked <laughs> yeah. no but but here's the thing like you can look at a ryan fisher yeah ryan fisher is trains very hard like has trained very hard for a long time is very jacked in many ways but i don't consider him to have the chiseled chest physique that i think you're talking about because i he he's very he has that more boxy type body type with the like, you know, protruding big abs. He looks great, super jacked guy. But when I hear you say like that chiseled, and maybe this is because I've like really been diving into the world of bodybuilding lately. Like I'm thinking you need to have that very like 
pyramid looking body yeah, yeah, yeah. with like a chest that is significantly wider than your midsection. Um, right. And, 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 and when you think about that stuff, that's genetics because he's the perfect example of he's doing all the right things. Looks great. Super Jack. I wouldn't say he has like the chisel chest physique that I think a lot of guys are going after. Like if you look at a Marcus Philly, he has a very like, you know, really wide up top, much skinnier body. And I think that that's what a lot of guys aspire to. Mm. Ryan Fisher about to put out an ebook about a thousand push-ups a day coming after <laughs> Gabe Giannis for, for, <laughs> for, for not saying shit. his chest for is talking. jacked I enough. think he would agree. I think he would agree. Well, there's 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 th- different body there's types. There's levels to this too. Like, but that's I, are we talking about the ultimate <laughs> level of what you know an Arnold in his prime chest would look like, or are you talking about like having the ability to you know because my my take on this is like genetics can load the gun, but your actions and your habits are going to pull the trigger, right? So, like, y- yes, I think that you can develop your chest beyond where it is right now. You can start doing more chest focus work. You can start eating more protein. You can, you know, look into the supplement world. You can add additional supplements on top of that if you want to. <laughs> get the science going. Yeah, get the, get, <laughs> you get some science going in your favor. Um, but I, I, I do think that, like, if you're talking about the average guy, if like this, if this question came in from like an average guy who's out there, who's like, oh, you know, maybe was a former athlete or whatever. And like now they got a couple of kids and, you know, maybe life caught up with them. They work a lot. And like, you know, they maybe came a little soft. They got the dad bod going on. And they was like, hey, is there any way that I can like get my chest going again? I'd say, yeah, there, of course there is, man. You like, let's start getting you some more daily. Let's get some more reps in first. Let's start doing some daily pushups. Let's take a look at your nutrition. Let's start adding a couple of bodybuilding days in per week or accessory work or like whatever you're like you're doing. Like, and I think that that person would see improvements. Would they get to the point where they look like Marcus or Arnold? No. But but I think that that's a really important piece when I feel like a lot of people ask those questions. I think it's setting realistic expectations of what that actually looks like because in the, you know, what we want our bodies to look like as men space. I think that there's a a gap there and it leads to a lot of frustration. A lot of people just like that didn't work. I've been doing everything you said for 30, 60 days. Like there's realistic expectations. And also the fact that like you can do everything you're supposed to be doing for three, four years. And it's going to be, you know, 20% effort to get 80% of the way there. And then you need an extra 80% effort to get that last 20%. Yeah. You can't expect results. You're not putting in the work for, right? So, I mean, if you think about the chest, let's, let's, just to for clarity's sake, you were you were pumping on. What was the what was the thing you were doing the other day? So German volume training. So you were doing ten sets of ten. GVT, baby. Yeah, dude, he was doing ten sets of ten. I was doing backward sled pulls while I was doing this. I got I jumped in for a few sets. You were doing them on tempo, mm-hmm. and then you were you were integrating a push and a pull, right? Yeah. And how often are you doing that? How often am I doing that the, like specific yeah, training yeah, yeah. day? Yeah. Um, you do it once a week. So it's it's. If you're following that high volume, it's each body part, not each body part. There's a push-pull day, mm-hmm. there's an arm day, and there's a lower body day. And then you do those three days just once a week. And you go 10, 10, but you were on a clock when you were doing it. Yeah. You want to keep it to like 60 to 75 seconds rest in between movements. So you're getting plenty of rest in between body parts. So you hit the chest, boom, you rest about a minute. Then yeah. you're Yeah, this is all from Charles Poliquin. Who uh, is like one of the like the late great, the late and great. That's right. And he, he, all of his stuff is always about um, maximizing growth hormone ex- uh, production by keeping you moving with short rest periods, but making sure that 
you're getting plenty of rest for that movement pattern and body part so you can actually like hit the appropriate intensity next time. Because if you're doing you know, 60 to 75 seconds rest in between the push and the pull, you're probably looking at like close to three minutes rest before you actually like start the bench again, right. which is the ideal amount of time to actually like continue to you know, hit the same amount of reps again. The difference is if most people are doing just, hey, I'm just gonna bench today, and you're doing like the lazy bodybuilding, like I'm just gonna go when I feel ready, you're waiting those full three minutes, but since you're resting that entire time, you're not maximizing like the hormonal response that you could if you're just like 60, 75 seconds is just enough to like, like, you know, you're still breathing heavy, everything's still going, but you do a pull, you do something antagonistic to what the other movement was. Dude, I, I got the cable machine a while ago, and I really thought I'd use it, and I just didn't use it. Like, I was, I was bringing back to my conventional gym days, I was thinking, oh, you know when you do those flies where like you just hit like the lower pec just perfectly? I thought I'd use it. Were you using it facing a mirror? Because that's like eighty <laughs> percent of that movement you know, is making sure that you're facing a mirror. You know that's you know what that was that was my downfall. I got rid of the cables, and I think it's because I didn't have the mirror in front of me or the the short little tank top, the spaghetti little strap tank top. Spaghetti strap I tank top. I got a couple of those. Dude, I used to want that so bad. Yeah. My move in the old conventional gym days was um, to you got to take over the cable machine first of all. <laughs> but you have to go and then you have to like first thing you do is you start doing like max amounts of pull-ups on the bar that's in between yeah, yeah, the like the metal machine. one yeah, yeah, yeah you just gotta show everybody what's up a little bit first and then <laughs> then you get into that establish your dominance the and then like dude, i belong here dude i have grabbed the cables i haven't hit that in a long time but so going back to your question though of just chest size and definition i think that it, one thing that a lot of people need to realize is that the aesthetic that they're choosing, and this is actually both men and women, usually requires more muscle before you go into the like, well, I need to lean out. Mm, There's a lot of sure. people that, you know, if you're just like big deficit, lean out, like I'm going to, you know, 75 hard type challenge, like I'm working on my diet, whatever, you're going to lose the body fat, but maybe not have the prerequisite muscle there to give you like the defined chest. Yeah, yeah. so once you lose it, then you look slimmer than the individual wants. Yeah, yeah. So I think people need to recognize that like resistance training and making sure you're just fueling your body enough is incredibly important. Doesn't mean you have to go on a bulk, eat a whole bunch of food. I think that that's, if anything, if you're not very, very disciplined and haven't done a good job like realizing that food quality is very important, going that route is a slippery slope that can put you in a place where now it's really difficult to come back to something that's not only, you know, aesthetic but also healthy right like people can get to the point where they're probably a little bigger and have more visceral fat than they want to even from like a health perspective yeah if you kind of go this bulking route and aren't like disciplined to like really understand what bulking too fast will do um and also like at what point should you not be doing it and also just like completely disregarding food quality because you're just trying to get calories in a yeah, big mistake a lot of people make. Yeah, I don't really specifically think about building my chest, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's like what program, what would I what would I want to do? I mean, I follow our programs. I, I love hitting some push-ups, different positions, all that kind of stuff. But well, have you, you know? ever thought about specifically training your triceps? <laughs> no. Yeah, your triceps are like the they size look of my like, quads. Yeah, they look like ropes <laughs> off the Titanic. Like <laughs> and I I I mean I don't have tricep definition like that and will never but like that's a good example of like a genetic predisposition to having like an overdeveloped part of your body right and um yeah i think that that's 
you could never train your triceps specifically ever again, and you'd still have bigger triceps than most people. So I think that that's where like genetics for me come into the equation where it's like you, you have a certain setup too, like that sometimes that's going to overcome a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But like somebody who doesn't have triceps, if they focused on them, they can overcome their genetics to some extent, maybe not to the point to get arms like you have, but you know, they can do it. Dude, calves would be the same thing, huh? Like... Cabs are pretty, tough. Pretty genetic. Very cabs genetic. Very genetic Bro, because they're also very difficult was, to load. Dude, how big was Mike's calves yesterday? So we were on a ruck. Yeah. And we were, dude, I swear, bro. He had big lower body. Dude, we are on this ruck. and I, he, So he was a sprinter, I think he said, right? He must yeah. work out. But, dude, he was, going up, <laughs> he was going up this hill, and I'm like, holy shit. Jason's like, just staring at his calves. I was just staring yeah. at his calves. <laughs> and I don't know what movie that's from. That's from Dumb and Dumber. Is it from? No. Oh, he must work out. He that must part. Work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least, yeah. Anyways. The other important piece, though, because people and this is like, you know, just rampant in the fitness space overall, like, you know, this guy texting you about like, well, I really want a chiseled chest specifically or people like wanting to spot reduce, you know, their stomach because oh, yeah. they want visible abs. Dude. Like for, yeah. for, for many reasons, it's important. A, it's important to understand that you can't spot reduce anything. Right. Like if anyone tells you that this movement is specific to like burn fat in X specific area doesn't exist bullshit the but ab roller won't work for just spot reducing there the ab roller is a fantastic <laughs> movement for your core but there's nothing that spot is just like fat. right that's spot reducing fat anywhere i think that that's really important but secondly you know even if this guy like you know really wants to build chest focus on his chest you run into issues with injury and dysfunction and all sorts of things if you start doing one movement pattern with just completely disregarding the antagonistic mm. one. Yeah. You have to make sure that like, it's not just like I'm putting all my marbles in the push and like tricep and chest day basket and not worry about your shoulders, your lats, your back. Even if that's not maybe the area that like you're trying to quote unquote focus on, you have to focus on both. Otherwise you're like setting yourself up for, you know, just not moving well, injuries, dysfunctions, irregularities down the line. Super important. That's a good point. And well, you can't skip leg day. Yeah, Even I was gonna if say, you don't care about your I was going to say, so, that, so, so if you, you know, you have like these beauty muscles for guys, right? But no one really wants to ever talk about quads and hamstrings, but there's so much of your muscle that's built up in there. Well, no, I think that there's been like a, a good resurgence. Right, like a resurgence. A renaissance. Like, you know, we a renaissance shamed, of strength training. We, we shamed guys that like, you know, skip yeah. leg day enough that I think <laughs> now, you know, if you're huge upper body, like skinny legs, like, dude, that's not a good look. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but on but on that note, there's also a lot to be said about, you know, these are big muscles that if you are looking for a specific body composition, like the hormonal response you get to like a big leg day, it's yeah. about more than just like, do I want my quads to be bigger? Or do I want to want to put all the effort on like up here? You're gonna get stronger, which is gonna allow you to just look better, look bigger, you're gonna get thicker, period, if you're doing the big movements which are, you know, deadlifting and squatting. Super and so high and so epoch forth. as well. Like yeah, right, uh, yeah. post essentially like a post workout continuous calorie mm -hmm. burn with, with training those bigger muscle systems. Yeah. Dude. So there's many reasons not to skip leg day. And that's where I think I'm always cautious because you asked me this question when the guy texted you. <laughs> and it requires a lot of nuance, but also like it's just the wrong question to ask, right? Like, how do I get a really chiseled, like, chest physique? It's just, uh, how do you maybe, like, look more muscular in general? And then we can have, like, a little bit of an upper body focus for it. But if you're very focused on one area, I think you're going to miss the boat on what you're ultimately trying to look for. Yeah. 
yesterday's workout was a was a lower body pump for sure. We did just for so anybody who wants to try this. Anybody wants to try this? It's a hundred uh, fifty cal bike. Um, if you're using the Echo bike, uh, good luck. I did ten minutes on that the other day. It was very difficult. So um, this workout's on a ten minute running clock, so the clock starts at zero and then runs up to ten, and ten minutes ends the workout. So it starts off with a fifty calorie bike for the gentleman and a forty calorie bike for the for the ladies on the assault bike or. Or if you want to try the, any, any the bike, Echo bike. Any, any <laughs> yeah. bike you're on. So it's 50 cal bike, and then you get off, and uh, you start back rack lunges. And then after you get 100 of those done, you get back to the bike with any time remaining in 10 minutes. And so for me yesterday – For the 100 back rack lunges, we prescribed it at 95, 95 pounds and 65 pounds. And it was – it's 100, but it's alternating your steps each time. So it's 50 each leg. And then after you finish that, you have a – period of time left hopefully yeah that you can get back to the bike and sprint yeah and so like, it wasn't a sprint no you know it's so funny <laughs> so the 50 cal bike i i go out I, I knew i wanted to go out hard i even told the guys next thing on the bike i'm like hey i'm just letting you know i'm gonna go out hard so they didn't think i was being that guy I'm yeah like, i'm gonna go out hard so i so my technique was i i went i ramped it up to 30 cals so i went hard for 30 cals and then i slowed down and finished up with intervals i got off in about a minute and i hit the bar <laughs> i like, think you're off in like a minute and 25 20 seconds or something like that really yeah that long yeah a minute and 20 around there minute 20 minute 15 so oh, like, it's 50 calories on the bike that's a that's a yeah. lot well, yes yeah. yeah you would know yeah. better than me i was I watching was, the workout yeah, so that's why yeah <laughs> and so I, I get off and i pick up the bar and it's like i do one i do two and i'm like oh shit this is gonna be a long 100 reps dude and then we didn't drop the bar at all it was brutal it, yeah we stayed unbroken yeah, and, yeah. Um, well it was light enough that there wasn't because I, I didn't drop the bar, but there were definitely times where I was just standing there Dude. for a split second because the weight was light enough that it wasn't metabolically taxing to hold the weight. Right. If it was something heavier, you would have to put that down because it just like yeah. breathe, like you can feel it on your shoulders. Ninety five was enough that like it I was, was never, right on the border. I was like comfortable enough stopping for a second because I knew that if I put it down, it was gonna be rough to pick it back up. If yeah. that was one thirty five, would have been a different workout. But then you go back to the bike. I ended up getting 61 cows, and then Gabe got like 40. 44. Yeah. Um, basically, my whole goal was to, um, when Gabe got on the lunges, I was at uh, like 17. I was like, just don't let him make up 17 lunges <laughs> on me. <laughs> There's no way. So wait, from uh, so Gabe, you were off the bike after Jason. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then how did you guys finish up on the lunges? How much time did you have to get back on the the bike at the end. I think I had like three minutes, three, three and a half. I had minutes. fifteen. I, I had fifteen lunges left when he was done. Oh, so, so I, I you made up some ground. Well, I was lunges. on like I was on like seventeen Two when lunges. he started. You were on seventeen lunges when, when he started, started so his lunges. Even. Yeah, yeah. No, what's interesting about this workout is like if I was advising like a lay person looking at the strategy for this workout, where it's like, all right, what do you do with the first fifty calories? I'd probably tell them that like, you have to hold something back, right? Like probably more significantly in like the 70% range of like finishing this thing in like two and a half or three, two and a half minutes or so, right? Like three minutes. But for, I think for games athletes, you know, what's funny about some of these open workouts that have been kind of programmed over the years is like, there's been a lot of workouts. There was like, you look at them, you go, Oh, we get really got to hold something yeah, back. You, you can't, you can't. If you're, if you're a games level athlete in that workout, you're all out. The whole time. You're well, the reason why is because you could only do the lunges. Like, if you went too slow on the bike, you could only do the lunges so, so fast. fast. That's exactly right. Nobody's because nobody at that level is dropping the barbell or stopping moving on the lunges. So you actually lose more by gaming the bike than you gain by trying to preserve energy for the lunges. Unless 
you're going to completely implode on the lunges. <laughs> that's like that's the that's the the, the yeah. line there. Yeah, but I think for to your point, for 50 calories for like a games level athlete or very advanced, you can keep that in like fully anaerobic and like that first energy system yeah. that you can tap out because you're going to switch to a different energy system once you get to the lunges anyway. Yeah, there's the a shorter is, recovery period and then you kind of, yeah. Right. The problem is that for the layperson, they're not getting that done in that energy system. They're going to tap into the second one and then you're taking oh, gas from what you're going to need for those lunges. And yeah, then when you get back sure. to the bike, dude. Back to the bike was like miserable. But, <laughs> but the good news about that is you finish your lunges, you get back on the bike and you just start moving. And the nice thing about that is you're accumulating calories. You're, you're, you're getting work done. Yeah. And then once you recover, boom, you can ramp it up. So. Well, another really, another really interesting kind of que uh, question, the same kind of vein. This, the, remember the open workout that was the – Dumbbell front squat and then like was burpee over the bar. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then after you, ten nine. Yeah, you had to do the ten nine, nine all eight. the way down to one dumbbell front squat burpee over the bar. And then after you finished that, you had a short rest period to lift a one rep max. I think it was a squat clean. Yes. I think it was a squat clean. Yeah, yeah. That's another really good example of a workout where on on paper initially everybody looked at it and it was like, oh, you got to like kind of game. You got to game the ten down to one ladder. And then, you know, you want to game it a little bit because you want a little bit more recovery to hit the heavy weight on the squat. But what was found out was, like, there was nobody at the top level who was gaming no. the 10 down to 1. They, yeah. you, you're fucking lighting yourself on fire and then hoping to recover enough initially to get, like, a couple of early lifts underneath your belt that will get your system back in, like, working order. And then all of a sudden it's off to the races with nearly – close to people's maxes of what they could do. It's pretty incredible to think yeah, about that. How you can recover from that? For sure. Yeah. But it doesn't work on the opposite side of the spectrum. If you're if you're more of like a, a lay person athlete or um, you know, somebody who doesn't have the type of training, anaerobic anaerobic training that these uh, games level athletes have, like you could bite off more you could more than you could chew in the 10 down to 1 or in the 50 cows and the workout's over. Yeah. And training for that, like training that specific skill set, right? So being able to Go anaerobic, lactic acid buildup, like just like lighten yourself on fire, like you said, and training to shorten the window that you need to be back in working order. That is the worst. It's very painful type of training. It's like the ten it's, minute echo bike that I did the other day. Like my neighbor, my neighbor was talking. He wasn't talking smack. He's just like, yeah, dude, I did two hundred and he did two hundred calories in ten minutes on the echo bike, and I'm like, huh, that doesn't sound. That's like, pretty brutal. So, dude. Who's so, your neighbor? <laughs> I asked him. I was what? Like, Wait a second. Wait. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's it's a like, cyclist. Froning? He's a cyclist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he has a cycling background, but he's he's just he's a jack dude. I mean, yeah, he's that, a jack that's guy. Legit. But he's been calories. training on this echo bike, and so he's been training and training and training, and so he ended up doing. I mean, he's he did in twenty minutes like something. I could, I could look at the watch and see how in twenty minutes, but in ten minutes he did two hundred. I'm like, okay. So I get on the Echo bike, what, two days ago or three days ago? I'm like, all right, I'm going to start off 20, 20 cows a minute. The crazy thing about this, though, is that your neighbor, cycling background, has been training on the Echo bike, has been like almost training for this test yeah. and did this. Jason the other day was like, I don't know what to do today. He warmed up a little bit. He's like, I'm going to try and beat him. <laughs> like that's the ridiculous part is okay. that like, you know, Jay's just like jumping in to do this. This guy's been training for it. But anyway, go it, it, in either case, I'm like, ah, well, fuck, let's see what happens. Right. <laughs> cause I was just curious. Right. Like, cause I don't ride the echo mic as much as I ride the assault bike. Assault bike for yeah. sure. So I get on the echo bike and I, I hit the first minute. I'm like at 21 cows. I'm like, okay, like not that eventful. That's, I'm like, that's tough on the echo bike. 
just as is, like doing yeah, 20 cows like, in a minute. Right, like, it's all good. I get the two minutes. I get the three minutes. I'm like, I'm like at that point, I'm like at 63 cows. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to build a hedge. Like, I'm feeling good. I get the four minutes. I'm like at 80-something miles. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I get the five minutes. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I, I, I hit 100 at five minutes. I'm like, oh, shoot. Because yeah, I start to see the, the law of diminishing returns. Like, I was up a few, and then now I'm – and you have fucked around, and you're about to find yeah, out. So <laughs> you're about to the, find the, out. The graph? Yeah, the, the, the fuck around. Fucked <laughs> around, find out. Yeah. But the funny thing oh. about it is, bro, like when you're in one of those workouts, especially on like a bike where you have time to think, right? You're like, you're looking at the watts, you're looking at the calories, you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then you're like doing the math in your head. And then there's a time where like the band is broken on you, and you lose. So I'm, I'm still thinking I'm in the game. Right? I'm in the game. I'm in the game. I'm in the game. And then all of a sudden, like at minute five, I'm like, oh shit, I might not be in the game anymore. And then at minute six, I'm like, dude, that game is getting farther of, of the goal of 200, right? And then all of a sudden, at minute seven, I start losing some like mental fortitude. And then I just feel myself slipping back. And I'm like, oh, damn it. You know, but you know it in that minute. You're like, damn. Like, Did so that, with, with like a minute left, I ramped up my like intensity. Yeah. I ended up getting uh, 181. But I, I, I lost. I, I dropped the ball. Did you war- did you warm up at all? No. Just, yeah. So that's a big deal. So <laughs> I just I just walked up and did. You know, Gabe 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 <laughs> used to nauseous. warm up with um, 10, 10 minutes on the assault bike a lot, and then I started using that as like uh, also a warm up for myself. But I also started to do ten minutes on the assault bike as like just a general test of my conditioning. Yeah. And there's a humongous difference mm. of doing the ten minute test on the bike with a proper proper warm-up with actually like getting on the bike, getting sweaty, warming yourself up, ramping your intensity, coming back down, ramping the intensity and having those reps underneath your belt and having your system primed. For sure. Because um, I've done the, you know, I can casually do on the assault bike right now between like 15 and 18 calories on the minute. And if I'm warm enough and it, it's not, it doesn't crush me. But like if I tried to do that without warming up at about the same time, I'd be hitting that wall and then all of a sudden it's like now my system is completely shocked and, and I'm not getting the type of output in the second half. So that's what it was, bro. No, I, I guarantee. <laughs> I, if you got 180 cold, I, I would guarantee that if you warmed up properly and then you had the right mindset going into it, you could probably do yeah, 200. It was a mindset too because like I, I think I started off a little bit too weak. I should have I warmed up. I should have gone a little harder in the beginning. Anyways. Yeah, I mean the way I tackled that when I was trying to like really, really improve is your first – two minutes you definitely have to build a hedge a hundred percent even yeah. psychologically it mm. helps like if yeah, i was trying to get 180 like i'm not trying to be at 36 in those first two minutes i have to be like 42 at <coughs> least because you know you're gonna have a little bit of yeah yeah and then like i always thought about it like at minute five because at minute five you is, should be over is, halfway you have to be over yeah. you have to have a hedge and in my head I always knew that the last minute I could get a little more. Right. So then you have the hedge that you built. And also, if I get to 90 seconds, if I get to 830, and I am even behind by like two, three calories, I feel good. Because you know that you can always like push at the end. So then mentally, you know that like, okay, between minute five and minute 830, you have three and a half minutes where you can give up you know, like eight to nine to even 10 calories Mm. because you built a hedge. And also, you know, that like you can do anything for 90 seconds to an extent, but you know what I mean? Like in your head, you're like, you know, 90 seconds, you could build a hedge, (laughs) come down for a little bit and then finish up strong. Yeah. Um, Hey, so we have a, 
Well, I mean, dude, we've had a busy week, man. We had, dude. dude, we had a, we had some meetings, and then we had some partners come in to NC Fit. We did a bunch of stuff with them, and now we have a CrossFit Level One occurring at the gym. Yeah, lot of um, stuff going on. It's are we wrapping this thing up? Is this, well, no, is this the Kalipa wrap up? I have, up? I have a Yeti. No. Play, no. I have a Yeti. I have a Yeti question. <laughs> I have a Yeti question. <laughs> <laughs> Hold no. on. So, can we talk about death row really quickly? Because, like, yeah, I think. I think How the that we're talking out. about death row. You're talking to me about uh, <laughs> being no, nice. because we're talking about like kind of threshold training with conditioning. I'm I think. To ask the Yeti question of the day. <laughs> What's the Yeti question of the day? What is it? Give me the death row. <laughs> anyway, so death row. Anybody who's out there, death row is a 20 minute imam, and a, an imam means every minute on the minute you're going to perform a certain task. Minute number one in the imam is row 20 calories for the men, and minute number one for the ladies is row 15 calories. Right? That's, the, that's the assignment for the odd minutes. The even minutes for everybody is 15 burpees. So the, the imam alternates between 20 calories and then 15 burpees all the way to the 20-minute mark. And it's just a workout that is purely about completion. Yeah. You pick your numbers. And you try to complete that imam alternating between the row and the burpees all the way to the 20-minute mark. And doing that workout at 20 calories plus 15 burpees is a fantastic test of not only your general conditioning and fitness, but like your mental fortitude. Yeah, yeah. Because you get – yeah, that you, between the ears here for sure. You get to the point of round 12 or 13, minute 12 or 13, where the last thing you want to do – is get back on the rower and row at a 148 to a 150 to get you to the 15 to, to get you to the 20 calorie mark. Yeah, a, that workout is all between the ears if you have requisite conditioning. Well, it, you know, adding validity to that is like one of our coaches was trying to get it done, couldn't finish it, and then he did it. I want to say he did it with both of us. And, oh, he finished it when he did it. And with he us, finished yeah. with this because he just paced it better. So, like looking at my Echo Bike as an example. I mean, I, I need to redo that now that I'm Who talking finished about it. Who finished it when he did it with Well, you, Zach right? did. So Zach oh, wasn't nice. able to do it for – he attempted it, I think, three times. And then he did it with us. I'm like, look, bro, just go at the exact pace that I go, right? Because he has a more similar body type than, to me than – Yeah, than I approach that be. workout differently than you guys. So yeah. you row harder in that workout, a little harder in that workout than I row. I row – I think I row at like – and I'm, the, I'm pretty good on the rower for being a smaller athlete. I think I row at like a 145 to like a 150. I think you probably row – a little faster yeah. than that. And I do my burpees at a little bit of a faster clip than you do your burpees. Yeah. Wait, 145, yeah. 150, you're talking about pace per 500 meters? Yeah, yeah pace yeah. per 500 meters. That's, yeah. I think. I but think. that one, I mean, dude, but that I, one is... He's always off the rower before I am, slightly before I am, and I'm always finishing the burpees slightly before he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to do it the same way you do it. Yeah. Because burpees, if anything, like I looked at that, I, I finished it once. I've only tried it twice, but I did finish it. Um burpees are the rest and that's how you know it's a messed up workout because your burpee minute is the minute to like recover a little bit because yeah you can if you're you doing know, a you're three second burpee you're finishing in 45 seconds exactly and dude those 15 seconds are like <laughs> oh like, my bro, god yeah because I mean, the row <laughs> dude between like getting off to start the burpee you're, you're, there's no you're crawling, rest you're crawling on and off yeah. the rower yeah it's <laughs> the, that workout is infinitely harder with burpee over the rower it's harder with burpee over the road because, yeah. because of the height of the jump and yeah, yeah, the, additional, like, the additional movement. You can't just flail to the ground and then, you know, kind of jump back up in the same space that you're in. It's harder with a jump. Dude, 
Well, we have a level, the the Yeti question of the day that I want to get to. <laughs> the, what's the Yeti? What's, what's the, the Yeti problem? question of the day? That's the best. So the Yeti question of the day is just it's when, just. Why is Yeti putting out questions of the day? By the way. Well, no, we're putting out questions of the day for Yeti. So actually, oh, there we a, go. That's a good question. Okay. So uh, holding in my hand um, is one of these yonder water bottles. These are new ones from Yeti. This one's like a green one, but they're. Like uh, recycled, they're, they're like recycled plastic instead of like the hard stainless steel ones okay. that like Yeti is known for, like these tumblers. And so they're lighter. They don't insulate as well, obviously, but they're significantly lighter. So if you're looking for something just to kind of like, you know, be out and about and you don't really care about having cold water or, or hot, this is excellent. Okay. And so for the anyone who asks a Yeti question of the day, if we pick it and talk about it, we send them one of these. Oh, so that's the Yeti Damn, question. This is like a full fucking official <laughs> podcast. Now. I leave for a few months. You guys got, you guys got this sound over here. You guys got Yeti questions of the day. And we start as soon. You don't even know. Yeah, we were just talking about. <laughs> what I, yeah, I didn't even know we were recording, man. Well, I mean, so we had a few of them because we don't wow. have them. the one I wanted to get to, which we do not have time for, was what would it take we have for time? We have time. What would it take, dude? We got the level one starts. Can we what would, what would it take? Okay, fine. You Ask wanna, the question. That's why we don't have time. It, what would it take for CrossFit to be synonymous with MLB, NBA, etc.? That, that would be. It, it, oh, that's a that's a very that's a that's an interesting question. I think that that's a really cool question to ask because I don't think it's um, I don't think the sport of CrossFit right now, the way it's set up, will get to that level of um, general acceptance by the public because. I think that there's a like a natural barrier for people who are ge- casual observers watching sport and um, looking at fitness. I think it's hard enough to get people to work out themselves. And CrossFit is a sport that 90, I'd say you could probably argue 90% of the fans are people who do it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to get people into watching other people work out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's similar a little bit to the jiu-jitsu space in a in a in a way. But combat, I think that is like I think but like UFC is different, right? Like, um, I guess jujitsu is growing too, right? Because there is some allure to it. They want to see who wins. But I agree with you, dude. I think for CrossFit to you know be on likes like the NFL, you know, or Major League Baseball, it's like with me when growing up, dude. I used to race BMX bikes, right? And we just knew that like racing BMX bikes would happen in a in a um a cattle like a a cattle arena. And there was, you know, 100,000 competitors, whatever it was. Like, when you go to nationals, you'd see a shitload of people, but those are all the people that are interested in the sport, right? Like, and that was just where it was, and that's where it stayed. And look at X Games. I mean, X Games done a great job of bringing extreme sports to the forefront, but it's never going to be as big as these major sporting events. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing to look at. I don't know the numbers behind it, but, like, X Games is probably huge in the amount of people doing – you it's know, huge skateboarding it, and, and BMXing and stuff like is that. Is it as big though as like professional baseball or no, no, the money's not as big. Or the um, NBA? There's levels to it. Man. Yeah, it's definitely I, levels. I think that's what it and is. that's okay, like, right? To me, the question is more like, you know, because was it will it or how does it? Because will it, I think it needs what would to be it ta- like, okay. So what, what would, would it take? take? What would it take for so yeah, what would it take? I think that that's, you know, a, a tough question because like you know, the examples there, MLB, NFL, whatever, like when has any sport gotten to the level that, of that's like true. the big that's, four, big five? That's it, true. Like UFC, it, it you can make the argument UFC. The only one though. Yeah. But uh, so given the fact that there's been one in the past, you know, X many decades, yeah, one I think maybe. to ask, you know, 
what does it take for now this thing to be like one of those I think is is because there's an infinite amount of things yeah. that have definitely gained a lot of popularity but there's just there's levels to yeah. it right like I, lacrosse like even now I think one thing that is seen a pretty significant emergence that I think is the next trend in sports is actually like women's NBA like women's like there's a lot of heat behind women's sports huh. that's gaining a lot of popularity recently um like I think this was the year where the women's NCAA tournament like got nowhere near what the men's tournament is but well, these things are gaining popularity and I think that you know to what does it take for like something that's this new to reach that level is a tough question to ask I do think that there's some things for it to become more mainstream but the level of the the, the big four I think is is, is is a far a distant future, yeah. right? But the UFC is is interesting because it's like it's it's so visceral. Like you're watching yeah. two people mm. fight, yeah, and see who wins. And I think like you know, there's something probably in, ingrained in a lot of people's DNA where they're like, oh, that's a really interesting thing. I can get behind like yeah, it's watching like Greco that. wrestling, like starting off back in the day in the Olympics or whatnot. Yeah, and in, in that sport, you know, they had a fantastic promotion. Uh, they they were super smart about how they're creating storylines, yep. creating superstars, story yep. storytelling, bringing the the women into the arena and putting them on an equal pedestal as mm -hmm. the men in a lot of ways in that sport. But I also just think that from a from a viewership perspective, like it's very simple to sit down and watch, even if you don't understand the techniques. You don't understand what's going on. You don't understand the score. Yeah. It's very simple to sit down and watch, and you go, "Okay, cool." Like this I person is winning, that person is losing. I kind of understand what's going yeah. on. These yeah. two people are getting in a cage, and they're going to fight. Yep. Baseline. Yep. I can watch that. I, for, for CrossFit, it's really hard, I think, for people to be like, "Okay, I'm going to sit down and watch." And I, they have 17 events, and you know, in this event, they're doing, you know, they're throwing these yellow things over this wall. But in this event over here, they're running around a lake and they're taking bikes, and it's it's. I think much harder for the average person to sit down and immediately understand what's going on. And uh, I don't know whether or not you can have that kind of like very simple format in the way that it's set up right now. Yeah. Well, because they didn't define that, right? Like if these guys, if, if CrossFit wanted to become the MLB, whatever, it, which I'm not saying they want to, right? They would have to streamline the programs in my opinion. I, I don't, I think it's very difficult to always have reinventing the wheel the unknown and unknowable like on espn or whatever because as a spectator you're always re relearning what's occurring instead of just knowing the rules from the get-go it'd be like if football had new rules like xfl is on or is it xfl xfl like there's different rule sets it's going to take time for the users to understand those rules and if they try to change them again it would take time i feel like you lose the audience so i think that if they do want to get to a major league style I think they need to streamline the games a little bit so that people know more what to expect. That's that's my opinion from a spectator perspective, especially if you want to attract people outside the sport. And I think there's also the aspect of like <clears throat> the the business minds behind the UFC and the focus of like really trying to invest in growing yeah. it. Like UFC was incredibly smart in a lot of the things they did. One of them being, um, and it's funny, I actually I knew someone that was on, on the UFC like you know, business, corporate, corporate staff, side. Yeah. Um, and the deal that they signed with ESPN was, you know, on the face of it, incredibly, incredibly, like, expensive. And they paid a lot of money to be on UFC, on, on ESPN. But the, you know, the knowing that being on a channel where 
everyone was watching college sports yeah. on yeah. Saturdays. And then back And they would the roll yeah. into the UFC yeah. when they're at the bar, when they're watching sports. That was friends, pretty just shows. Like, to be able to be like, yes, this is incredibly expensive for us to get on this channel, but to know and trust the fact that, like, this is going to get you the eyeballs was a great move. And I think on the other side, you know, CrossFit, you know, we've been talking in our leadership talk so much about focus and how important it is. I think CrossFit is is always going to be hamstrung by the fact that, like, you know, as an organization, you have the sport yeah. and you have the methodology and the affiliates. I don't think they're, it, it's very hard to have the focus as, you know, whoever's managing this to really put the time and effort to grow CrossFit the sport because they're always going to be divided. U UFC also <clears throat> did a lot to bring themselves to that point where they could entertain a deal like ESPN and it could, you know, you could look at it and go, this is a lot of money, but we're going to get the bang for a buck here. Like, cause there was a lot of like, they had signed the, the marketing partnership with Reebok. I think before that, mm. you know, they had done a lot of stuff oh, yeah, to yeah, gain yeah. mainstream popularity, right? Like the sport was gaining a lot of heat. You had mega, mega stars yeah. who started to emerge. Yeah. Ronda and, Rousey. Yeah. Ronda and like Connor, Connor was coming on the scene. Yeah. And like, you had this point where it's like, okay, we have mainstream acceptance for like certain people and certain things in the sport. Now, if when we do this, it's a very natural progression that we could, you know, go on this like rocket ride. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think that like if CrossFit was in the same situation, I, I don't know whether or not they would have that same type of success just signing a, a, a deal with ESPN. You know what I mean? Sure. But having it come after the, f the football games was brilliant, by the way, because yeah. that's also like a dead zone, right? So like Saturday afterwards, what are you looking at? Cause you're waiting for Sunday for football or, for NFL. Anyways, that yep. was the that the Yeti question of the week. <laughs> I'm excited about this. Honestly, I'm excited about this because we ask it on Instagram. People submit their questions and we send them out a Yeti yonder bottle. It's like it's a win-win. You get a yonder bottle. You get a yonder bottle. You, you, you get, get a yonder, yonder bottle. We get a question and uh and everybody's everybody's happy. So cool. I'm glad we got a chance to dive into that. I know we got people rolling in here right now. I'm seeing Zach Reigns. We're at uh, our Campbell gym. We're about to host a level one. I got to go coach some classes here in a little bit. But um, appreciate all of us getting together, yep. chatting. And uh, until next week, until next time, let's go. Let's until go. Until next time.